Welcome back to another episode of That's When I Knew, where real people have real conversations about the journey towards building a meaningful career. I'm your host, Robert Creighton. I'm your co-host, Sakia Kunadu. And today we are kicking off our engineering segment. So for the next several episodes, we'll be featuring software engineering professionals. Um, now, before we introduce the guest, I'd like to share that this episode is sponsored by TripleByte. If you're an engineer, TripleByte is the place to prove your skills, develop your knowledge, and find a job. TripleByte is unique because they allow you to take one or two centralized assessments and then find jobs based off of your skills, not your resume. Over 450 startups and companies like Apple, Facebook, Dropbox, and American Express use TripleByte to find, connect, and hire great engineers. And the, the TripleByte team knows that a traditional resume doesn't represent your full potential. Their quizzes and interviews help you prove your technical skills, not your resume writing skills. The, the TripleByte network helps you focus on the roles you are most excited about and find companies that offer what you value most, whether that's challenging projects, remote opportunities, generous compensation, great benefits, or all of the above. Yeah, and it's great because it's free and background blind for engineers. Take TripleByte's 20 to 30 minute online coding quiz to get your detailed, personalized feedback and level up faster. Find the link to get started in this week's episode notes. This week, we are uh, joined by a very special guest. Uh, the segment that we're, that we're on now is uh, on engineering. And uh, our guest today is uh, currently working as a back-end software engineer for Hearsay Systems. And he's a member of the uh, SF chapter of a nonprofit called DevColor, which aims to maximize the impact of black software engineers and technology. Um, Stuart, we want to welcome you to the show today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to, to get into this topic. I don't know much about engineering, but I know they make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's definitely a career uh, that, or you can uh, a job that you can build a meaningful career, build a meaningful life for yourself. That's for sure. And um, I have a, an, an, uh, I guess, a moderation for engineers. I think it's a really cool job. And um, I guess maybe you know, for our listeners out there who are uh, in a similar situation as Zakia and I, it'd be great if you could give us a little overview of what it means to be a software engineer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's a good way to explain this? So a, a software engineer is just somebody that, um, at least in my position, uh, codes, um, can make websites. A uh, prime example, uh, to, to start off, there are different types <laughs> of uh, software engineers. Um, there are front-end engineers, back-end engineers. Um, full stack engineers, which is basically folks that do front end and back end. Um, what is front end and back end? You might say so. For a front end engineer, um, we they are somebody that uh, codes what you actually see on a website. So, for instance, let's say you go to YouTube.com, and when you you know view the page, you see all these videos and you know avatar icons, things of that nature. Um, that's what a front end engineer. Um, you know, codes and implements that you can see stuff like that. Um, from the back end side of things, uh, they work um, with things like databases. Um, they are what front end engineers uh, like essentially call to gather all the data that you can actually see um, on the front end side of things. So the video that you um, see on YouTube, when you click on it, um, typically what happens is some front end code will call some uh, code on the back end, i.e. a server, and say, hey, you know, I'm looking for this video so I can show this to this user who wants to see the video. 
And then the server will grab that uh, video from a database, from some sort of like storage something, and then send it to the front end and then they'll, you know, show it to the user. I.e. you all that's actually looking at the website. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a, I, I think that's a great overview. And I'm assuming a generalist or a, a full stack engineer does both of, has experience doing both. So they're they're correct. They're coding the, OK, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm curious before we really dive into your, you know your personal career journey. Are there any skills that are more relevant for a front end engineer versus a back end engineer? Like, like are there signs that you know someone is early on in their career they should be a front end versus a back end engineer? Um, you know that's a that's a good question. Um, I don't. I I would say like for a front end engineer. Um, skill sets that I think are, are good in that area would be, um, just having like a design aspect. Mm. So to, you know, be able to uh, say like, okay, if I want to implement, uh, or create this feature or create this website, you know, how can I best build this in a, in a visual way to where it'd be very appealing to somebody that's looking at it. Right. We've all seen websites that kind of look a little sketchy, yeah. look a little old, right. you know, and then you get on there and you're kind of like, mm, you know, like if they're selling a product, you're looking at it like, mm, I, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to mess with that. I don't know if I want to deal with that, yeah. you know? So, you know, that's where you deal with um, designers um, that can come in and just kind of uh, give you a good overview of, hey, like, here's what are appealing to users out there. And so as a front end engineer, you can use, um, you know, skill skills like that to where if you want to make your own website, you can make it in a way that's like more appealing to, you know, folks out there. I see. Interesting. How did you even, like, you know, get into engineering? You know, like how does how does someone just decide, like, I'm going to be an engineer, you know, because I think a lot of people just don't even know what that means. <laughs> and there's so many like different types of engineering. So, yeah, just if you want to kind of take us through that. Yeah, you know, I, I think a great way to, to explain that is to just give you um, kind of my uh, life journey, so okay. to speak. Right? Yeah, so, let's get um, into it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So um, growing up, I was always a math whiz. Um, my, my mom was really good at math. My grandma was a math teacher. Um, there would be plenty of summers where uh, I would, you know, stay over at my grandma's house and um, just read math books. Um, like wow. my grandma would give me like the entire, you know, like school math book on like geometry. And I have to go through the whole book, you know, finish all the problems and stuff, show them to her before, you know, I could go on, do what, you know, what kids do. Right. So, you know, I was always good at math. Um, and so when I first went to Claflin, um, my original major was uh, accounting. Um, I, I thought that it was cool. Like, oh yeah, you can, you know, you do it money, you do all, you can, um, figure out how to do your taxes, you know, budgets and stuff. I thought that was interesting at the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I took two classes my first, my first semester. And after doing the both, I said, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the grip app for me. This is too boring. <laughs> this, this is just too boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not interesting enough for me. Um, I started looking online at, um, uh, like Google searches in terms of like how much accountants make and how late in their career do they actually make that type of money. And I was like, yeah, you know, 
I don't think this is going to work for me. So um, my dad, who worked in the uh, Air Force as a, uh, as a tech sergeant, he was the one who um, told me, well, hey, Stuart, well, why don't, you just, um, why don't you just go into computer engineering? You know, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and so from there, I just was like, okay, well, um, he showed me like a few examples of like folks that make websites and like, hey, here's what engineering people do. They make websites like this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty interesting. So I remember going to my advisor and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to make the change over from um, accounting, switch my major to computer engineering. And he was like, okay, cool. So then um, that following semester up to my sophomore year, uh, my major was officially computer engineering. And everything was pretty cool. I uh, took some courses um, doing uh, like object oriented programming, which in layman's terms just means I was that like, I was. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in, in layman's terms, it's just um, like learning new programming languages. So there are a lot of different uh, programming languages out there. Just to ramble off a few, there's Java, Python, Go, mm. JavaScript, things of that nature. So it was just classes to um, get acclimated to one of the programming languages in particular, which was uh, Java. Okay. Um, and those classes were pretty cool. You know, I was like, okay, like this is, you know, it's a different skill set. Like it involves some math, but not really. It's more so just um, like thinking outside the box, uh, doing a lot of um, like conditional, um, uh, I, I can't think of the word of it. Like uh, like when, you, when, you, when you're trying to program something out, you have to think of it in terms of like different conditions. So it... Like logic? Logic. Yeah, yeah. Lo Logic-based. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't think of the word. Um, so, yeah, so it was very, so very logic-based. Um, the way I kind of think about it was just, uh, you know, how would you explain this to a baby? How would you get mm -hmm. a baby to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and that, and literally you have to break it down all the way to the first step, you know, to actually write something out that makes sense and can do what you want it to do. Um, mm hmm so yeah, so everything was pretty cool. And then I got to a point where um, I had to take one class in particular called, it was a physics class. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. it was taught by this professor, uh, Dr. Epinuman. And Dr. Epinuman was very famous on the campus for being um, a very hard teacher that uh, a lot of folks didn't pass his class. So um, I was looking at, I was looking at that class and was like, you know, I want to get out of here in four years. I I don't know if I want to, you know, risk taking this class and, you know, it just doesn't pan out. Um, and then I'm back, you know, I'm stuck back like another semester. You know, I, I don't really want that. So I switched my major again. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going through, I'm just going through all the majors here. Right. <laughs> so I switched my major to um, what was called, management information science, which um, basically was just, I took some introductory business courses and some introductory uh, programming courses, but no physics. So I was good on that. Didn't have to deal with it. Mm. Right. And so um, from there, that's how I, you know, got into engineering. And so um, how I got out to the Bay Area is a, is a very interesting story. So um, I I, I, I want to get there. I want to get there, but I also want to take a pause on just your 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 college journey. And I have a couple questions. So 
it sounds like you didn't get a degree in software engineering or computer science. You got yeah. your degree in um, what, what are the different degrees? Yeah. Got it. So it, it sounds like you don't necessarily have to have a degree in computer science to actually become a software engineer. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't really have to. Um, that's kind of, I, I would say, one of the um, propaganda of of like mm-hmm. the industry. Um, there are a lot of folks out here that work as engineers that didn't necessarily have a degree in uh, computer science or computer engineering. Um, most of those folks, what they do is go to um, something called a coding school. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, yeah, so you'll go over there for about six to eight months, they teach you all the new, you know, languages and technologies and Mm -hmm. ways that companies, um, you know, orchestrate their software development teams. Mm -hmm. So you get a, you get like real, like on the job type of um, experience. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, towards the end of your, um, your uh, schooling there, what they'll do is um, they'll say, Hey, you know, you don't have to pay us now. uh, But when you get a job, you know, we'll take like, X percentage of your salary. And hmm. that's and that's how they get into the industry. I, I think that's interesting to to kind of hear that there are different paths, right? With different majors, uh, with coding schools, and you know, because sometimes maybe going to university doesn't work out for everyone, right? So maybe they're working their minimum wage job, but they really want to get into, you know, some type of computer and engineering, so they do a coding class. It's interesting that there are that. Uh, that flexibility, right? Like, cause sometimes you think you gotta have a PhD and, you know, like all these high degrees to, to work in, um, in that field. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Like, um, I think that's one of the, uh, like good things about, um, like tech and also something that is some that we need to kind of get out there to more people is that you don't have to necessarily have, uh, a degree to be an engineer, to understand like how to code. Um, you know, there's, uh, I know a lot of companies that don't really have that barrier to entry for a lot of engineering jobs. Um, it's just more so like getting that experience and to have experience, um, really and truly you got to have somebody that kind of believes in you. Um, you know, and will give you that first, that, that chance to take that first step, um, you know, to be an engineer in the industry. Why don't why don't you tell us about that that first step you took to get into the industry after graduating graduating uh, yeah. from Claflin? Yeah, so you know my story is very interesting. Um, so I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna just lay it out really really frank. So what happened was my last year at Claflin, um, it was pretty much set in stone. I was gonna graduate on time. Um, but I really didn't know what I wanted to to do. I tried getting some internships the previous years at uh, companies like uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, mm. What was another one? I tried uh, Bank of America, um, just to try to get some sort of experience as an engineer, but didn't pan out. Um, so I was all set to um, join the uh, Air Force along with my dad. Um, Okay. Since I was going to uh, graduate, like he was saying, I was going to go through like the office, like the, uh, I think it was like an officer track. So it was just already going to be like on a higher level. Um, and I figured that was just going to be my path. And um, 
what ended up happening was maybe about two months before graduation, a previous um, uh, classmate of mine who worked at this uh, company called SurveyMonkey said, hey, um, SurveyMonkey's coming out, um, you know, to interview um, some students from Claflin for, you know, our internship program. And I think you should come out and, you know, just interview, just take a chance. Why not? So I said, okay, cool. Why not? Like it's, you have, I literally have nothing to lose. So, so, um, the day that they, the day that they come on campus, I'm all nervous. Uh, but I say, you know, I'm going to dress in press. So I come over there and my dad's old like corduroy jacket. I got a button up shirt. I got my <laughs> jeans. I got my church shoes on, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to look real suave, you know, just try to not, try to impress. Not, yeah. Not knowing that in, in Survey Monkey and San Mateo, everyone was probably wearing sweats and T-shirts and yeah. flip flops in that Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so you can just imagine like this kid is coming in, you know, dressed in press. They're, they're probably like, okay, this person's doing too much. <laughs> right. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So, right. um, so yeah, so I, I go to the interview. Um, it was uh, like a two-part interview. One was a behavioral um, session with uh, the, the, I believe it was director of engineering at the time really nice lady. We go through, they, she asked me questions like, Hey, like what, do, what has there been like a time when you've uh, dealt with or been on a team project and X happened and how did you, you know, navigate through that? Um, so, you know, I'm just kind of going through the whole spiel of like how I uh, overcame X, how, you know, Y came into the picture and how I dealt with that was doing Z things like that real easy. So then the second part was the uh, technical interview. And um, to give a little background, like what the technical interview essentially is, is that uh, you go you go in there, they'll ask you a coding question on literally anything. Um, it could be an algorithm based question. They could they could uh, ask you like some system design question, which basically means like, hey, you know, if we wanted you to build the Uber app, you know, how would you do it? And um, you basically just kind of put on the spot right there, yeah. figure it out. You have 40 to 40 to 60 minutes to figure it out. Right. So for this particular interview, they asked me to um, write out a um, write out a program that would give me the uh, nth number of the Fibonacci sequence. Right. And so in my, as soon as they told me that question, I go, OK, what in the world is Fibonacci <laughs> like? And and yeah. th- these are all things that, again, through my, uh, um, you know, schooling at Claflin, we never went over, never heard this term before. So I'm just like, uh, what? So <laughs> um, a couple weeks before. Um, one of my other, one of my other classmates, um, Dominique, he was, um, you know, showing me like a different programming language called Python that I thought was pretty cool because, um, the way the syntax or the way that it was typed was a lot easier for me to understand than Java. So I go up into the interview and I say like, okay, well, yeah, you know, like I'm going to code this out in Python. 
you know, to try to like, you know, show them like, oh yeah, like I know Python. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she, so, so then they say, okay, well, um, you know, explain to us how you would write out this uh, solution. So this is literally what I do. I take a piece of paper, take a pencil and I go like this. Yeah. So, um, here's, here's how I would write this out. So we're going to start off with, uh, creating a variable. We're going to call it variable A. Pause. And then we're going to create another variable. Call it variable B. Long and long pause, right? (laughs) So I'm stuck. I don't create a variable A. I've created a variable B. At this point, I have I have nothing. My my brain goes blank. I don't know what to do. Um, the the woman who was there that gives me the interview, she starts um, kind of coaching me through the problem. Like you know, hey, you know, let's let's think this through. Um, you know, what would you do, or um, like, what do you think about uh, adding this implementation? And so in my and so I go like, oh yeah, you know, like I was thinking that. You write, you write, let me write that down. Let me write that down. That's smart. That's smart. Thank you for that. Right. So this goes on for another 30, 40 minutes. It's clear that I don't know this problem whatsoever. And um, but she's she sticks through it. We get to we get to the end. I solve the problem. Solve it, right? And um, she asked me one final question, which was, okay, um, with this solution or with this, uh, you know, um, problem in terms of like finding the nth number in the Fibonacci sequence, um, there are two ways that you can uh, solve this, which is um, doing it either like iteratively or recursively, which basically just means like... um, uh, like one way is more performant, which means faster than the other. And so they asked me, okay, like which one of these methods is more uh, uh, performant is what they said, right? And again, I don't know either of these terms at the time. So in my head, I go, you know, iteratively sounds more complex. You know, like in my head, it's like, okay, like this sounds smart. So let me go with that. And I just remember the look on her face, like, no, you tried, but that's not it. That's not it. But um, so I completely bombed the technical portion of the interview. Okay. Right. But um, so this is where I get into the whole point about somebody giving you a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, during the behavioral portion, I, you know, aced that interview so well. Um, that they were like, you know what, this person seems really humble. They really want to like learn something new. I can teach them how to code, but like, I can't teach, you know, some like want to can't teach hard. Right. So they said, okay, let's, let's take a chance on him. So I got the internship. I was so happy. So glad I came out to Surrey monkey that summer after I graduated and that entire internship, I was studying like new, um, like new technologies. I had they Sir Monkey gave me a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, her name her name was Jennifer, and the, I, I like I probably but uh, bugged Jennifer 
every day, asked her about 20 to 20 to 25 questions like, hey, what is this? What is this, you know, language? How do we do this? How do we do that? And she was just great. You know, like I learned so much from her. And from that experience of, you know, her being my mentor, plus other stuff that I learned during the internship, I was able to transfer that into a full-time gig, um, you know, at Surrey Monkey. Stayed there about three, three and a half years. And, you know, here I am now at, at Hearsay. So I kind of want to go back. I think your your interview experience, you you kind of bring up a lot of good points where yeah. you went into the interview and although, you know, it's one part of how do you even prepare for a technical interview? You know, of course we can practice, you know, talking about a, when we've dealt with a difficult situation and things like that, right? But for someone who's just graduating and wants to get into uh, this career, you know, how do they go about preparing for that? And I think your story is interesting where you kind of went in and you you didn't know. And then you did try to fake it until you, until you make it, right? But um, I think it just shows that people shouldn't be discouraged you know, from getting into engineering, if they don't have that full, full on experience. And then also the piece of having a mentor, you know, somebody who's going to be there to kind of help guide you. So I think that's just a good, you know, for all the people listening, you know, don't get discouraged and, you know, definitely just do your best. So I was, I'm just really inspired by that whole interview uh, <laughs> process. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I have been through so many interviews, um, like from the time that unfortunately I, I was let go from Surrey Monkey due to budget constraints, mm-hmm. um, to the time that I joined Hearsay in like that three, four month period, I probably went through about 20 to 50 different interviews. Um, all of them said no, and then Hearsay said yes. So I'll, I'll what, yeah. What, what's, your, what's your advice? For, um, what, what are some lessons you learned just going through so many interviews, for, especially for engineering roles? What are some advice, tips that you would give, you know, engineers just uh, graduating from, uh, you know, uh, an HBCU? They're excited to get into tech and become an engineer um, and they're going to embark on that journey to begin applying. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say the main advice is that uh, repeti- just repetition, repetition works. Um, mm-hmm. You are going to fail. And I do not mean that in a negative, in a negative way whatsoever. Um, yeah. It happens. Um, there are different um, uh, products out there in which you can learn different um, coding questions that these companies might ask you during the process. Uh, there's a leak mm-hmm. code. There's another one called uh, Hacker Rank. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the two that come to mind off the top of my head right now. But th- those are pretty. Those are pretty um, uh, popular. Um, like in the software engineering space where, you know, folks go on there, you can look through different questions that folks have asked other engineers during their interview Mm -hmm. um, process. And they'll, you use that as practice, go through the problem, try to solve it. And then there'll be tons of different solutions for it. And then that's just how you get better. Um, It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's interesting though. Like I, I don't really like that process of, of interviewing. I don't think that it gets the mm-hmm. best. Um, I don't think that's the best way to, to measure talent. Um, and, and I think that it hurts, um, especially fo- uh, folks coming from HBCU the most, because we typically mm-hmm. don't have um, those type of uh, 
like processes in place where, um, okay, like, hey, here's some of the questions that they're going to ask you. So like, let's just practice those. Let's test those type of thing. Right. What what would be a better um, process for like evaluating? Like if you, if you, if you were like the tech God <laughs> and you were like, this is how <laughs> it should be done. This is how it should be done. Like what, 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 what's some tips you would give to employers on how to improve the evaluation process specifically for people that look like us coming from HBCUs? Um, one, one process in particular that I really liked is one where the, um, the hiring manager or the company will give you what they call like a take home assignment, which is basically just like, okay, Hey, like here's this block of code, or here is, um, you know, these few problems that we want you to solve. We'll give you up to 72 hours to, um, solve it. And then you send us your, um, your solution, like through, you know, email, whatever. Um, I particularly like that because it gives me time to, you know, kind of evaluate the problem, figure out different ways that I can solve it. Maybe I go online and um, view like some different tricks or methods, um, you know, on how to solve this particular issue. And then that way I could come back and, you know, give a, a solution that is, um, best fitted for this problem because the way that the, because right. the thing about it is that with software engineering you're not really nobody's giving you a problem and expecting you to solve it in 60 minutes or less that's not right. how it works when you right. get the job so why are we doing that during the interview process right you know like if a pro that like if, a, if yeah if you're if my manager came to me and was like hey Stuart, like you know we got this feature and we want you to build it in two hours go, I would look, I would look at them like, well, you're going to be waiting longer than that. Cause I'm not, I'm not doing that, you know? So, right. um, yeah, I just, I just don't like that way of, of, of interviewing engineers. Cause I don't think that it, um, it showcases their, you know, their, their talents the best way. It also, it also show, it also, there's bias in that. There's always going to be some type of bias, but yeah, definitely that old that way of it, or, yeah. Yeah, evaluating engineers bias bias does creep in from that way because um, you know there's people that are thinkers or introverts. They're, they 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 take they they require time to really evaluate the best way to go about solving the solution. And by saying hey, solve this in two hours, go. That's kind of against how they would normally um, go about solving that problem. So. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. I, I'm actually, I'd actually like to to go back again to like your early days. I, so I understand you're from South yeah. Carolina, and um, you know, I, just to tell a little bit about my story, I'm from Oakland, California, so right across the bridge from Silicon Valley, and that I didn't even know what software engineering was until graduating college. So I would love to just know, Same. like, you grow. Can you t can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up in in, in South Carolina, um, and then how your how your upbringing has kind of affected your approach towards building a, a meaningful career in tech? Yeah, sure. So uh, growing up, I didn't know about software engineering either. Um, both of my parents uh, were in the military. Both of them were actually in the Air Force. Um, and when I had graduated high school, I, I remember my mother telling me, she said, uh, Stuart, you have two choices. You have college or you have one of the four branches of the military. 
And I knew that um, I didn't want to go in the military, so I was just going to go to college. Um, and, and so just from just from there and learning from my dad about, you know, what he does in the military, that's really what brought um, software engineering as a p- potential career for me. That's what brought it to mm-hmm. the forefront for me because I had never learned it in high school. I didn't know about it at all through through middle school. I uh, you know, I, I guess I guess you could say that the, my only experience through with software engineering, like through my upbringing before college, would be through movies. Mm. You know, you see all you know, mm-hmm. you see the Matrix, you see all these you know right. scenes in like Law and Order, SVU, and NCIS, where the person's just typing <laughs> and all these screens pop up saying yeah. you know locate. That's not really how it works, but you know that's you know that's all I knew. That's all I knew, right? And then you know, you actually get out here and it's totally different. Um, so, so yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so what, what, what were, like, what did you want to be like growing up high school? Like, you know, if, if software engineering wasn't on your, like your dream, dream job list early on, like, what were you hoping to become early on? Uh, I, I want to be, I want to be everything. Um, <laughs> I, I want to be a ball player. Yeah. I, I, Growing up, I really liked law and order for some reason. Yeah. So I really wanted to be a judge, but I found out very quickly I hated writing. Mm. Like I was just like I I did not like my English classes. Mm. Um, I, I thought reading like certain books on stuff was just stupid. Um, I never really took it serious. So, and I remember going um, like through like my college tour before I picked uh, before I picked Claflin. Um, I remember um, going to uh, a college campus tour uh, at a nearby school up north called Winthrop and just understanding like how their pre-law, um, mm-hmm. like how their pre-law uh, courses or, or degree worked and stuff. And I was just like, eh, <laughs> I think I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want to do that. So, be- so, you know, that, that's, that's where I went. Be- besides like being a math, a math whiz and being good at math or at an early age, were there, and also reflecting on your life and your upbringing, were there other signs that like software engineering, it's like was meant to be your career all along when you really reflect back on your life? Uh, you, you know, I think growing up, I, I did like building things. Um, like I was somebody that enjoyed um, like you, building Legos, building like Bionicles. And with software engineering, mm-hmm you know, a, a lot of it is just like building new features and saying like, yeah. Hey, I'm the one that actually built that, you know, sort of thing. So I, I like bringing things to creation. So I think maybe that in the back of my head had me like, okay, you know what, this is the career for me. Something along those lines. Right. Right. And reading the math books at, and, at grandma's house. <laughs> and reading the math books at grandma's house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's yeah. Shout out to Grandma. <laughs> yeah, I I fought her tooth and nail growing up, but I, you know, she she will um, tell man. me every day now. You know what? You're welcome. You're welcome. So, <laughs> gotta give it up to yeah. Grams. <laughs> exactly, it's the same story. Grand grandmothers in the black family are, you know, they're special people. You know, I, my grandmother was the main reason why I went to college because I was going to go to a community college, and she was like, well. Why? Yeah. <laughs> go to a four-year university like your cousin's doing it i'm like well okay i'll apply and see you know <laughs> but uh yeah shout out to grandmas out there <laughs> um 
Speaking <laughs> of like community though, I'm what I'm really curious about, you know, working in tech, you just don't see enough of us. And especially, you know, working in engineering and it's, we kind of touched on like, you know, bias in the interview process and things like that. But man, why is it such a struggle? Why is there not enough black engineers? You know, I'm just curious, like, is it because we're just not exposed to it as much? You know, are we just not given that opportunity? You know, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think, I think it's a bunch of different factors. And I think you have to take into account what each company is doing for their hiring practices. Um, mm-hmm. I have heard instances where there are different companies that only look for, um, uh, what is it? Uh, new, new grad, like uh, new grad hires um, from specific schools, like yeah. U- like UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, MIT. These are all colleges that you know were not really um, like a high percentage of the population that goes there. Um, another factor that you have to take into consideration is um, the hiring managers. Um, the hiring managers, for the most part, aren't black. And they also have their own biases. Um, you know, they, they go for the people that, that they know. They know they go for the people that, you know, they feel a certain connection with whatever that connection is. And, you know, that's another thing that, you know, is taken into consideration. Um, and, a, and a third kind of goes along with, um, you know, my first point. And some of the recruiters at companies don't even know what HBCUs are. Like I, like I can't, I I can't even, I can't even like count how many that, you know, I've encountered in which, you know, I say like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I went to this HBCU and they go, what is that? You know? So if you don't even know like what that is, like that kind of already tells me what your, you know, desire to have diversity and inclusion in your company already is. Right. Um, Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot of those factors. And I think that, um, you know, for, for me personally, with whatever company I'm at, I always try to pay pay things forward. Um, you know, I, when I was at CertMonkey, I was happy to get another um, alumni of mine um, through the internship process. And, you know, even though I'm not there, they're still there. Um, and, you know, like I, I kind of, you know, I just believe that, you know, somebody took a chance on me. Um, that's how I got into this industry. And it's it is, I feel it's like my duty to do that for, you know, other, other black folks as well. A hundred percent. That's a good attitude. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like the problem isn't that there's not, a, and that's what we always hear is like, you, you know, the Wells Fargo CEO or oh someone from Wells gosh. Fargo is like, there, there, <laughs> there's not enough black talent. But to me, it sounds like even from hearing your stories, the talent is there. Like there's plenty of black talent. It's just that the effort uh, is not there on the company side to really find that talent. Um, yeah, so. you know, it's it, like it's that's BS. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just gonna tell you right now right now that's BS. Um, it's really a matter of do these companies really want diverse talent um, at their company? Um, because it's not just the matter of oh, okay, well, all right, we know what HBCUs are. Well, let's just go to them and you know, they go over there and they put them through the same interview processes that I talked about earlier in which, you know, most HBCU engineering students don't have like that exposure to that. So when they go through those processes, they fail. And then 
the company will go, well, we went, but, you know, there weren't really any, you know, that were qualified. So, right. you know, so it really, it really takes a um, concerted effort to, you know, really want and succeed in having diversity at your company. You can't just throw money at it. I want to get your perspective on. Sorry. Can I get your, I want to get your perspective on something like, uh, like diversity and inclusion is definitely a hot topic right now. And uh, a lot, the main reasons why, you know, we, you know, companies claim diversity is important is, you know, usually it's like it increases profits or diversity of thought. But I, from your, from your perspective, why is it important for companies to invest in, you know, diverse talent engineers that come from an HBCU? I, I think I think it's important um, for a multitude of reasons. One that one that comes top of mind is um, like I guess you could say diversity of thought. But if you think about it, think about like the algorithms that are already out there. Case in point, mm-hmm. um, I remember reading this story on um, just like when you go into a bathroom and you know you they have like these automatic. Um, paper towel dispensers, you know, there'll be cases where, you know, a black hand will go over it and for whatever reason doesn't register. Right. Right. So if you have black engineers or black folks in that pool to where, when they're implementing these, you know, algorithms and things of that nature um, into that system, that you don't have issues like that. Um, I think another reason to just have like a diverse um, cast of engineers is that, um, you have the ability to reach more um, like different people in your, you know, target groups. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've all been in a situation mm-hmm. where we've seen like a commercial or, uh, you know, some sort of feature that comes out and they have something that's like really insensitive. Like um, what well, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of like one that comes to mind. Um, there was like one with the Dove. There was like a Dove commercial. I remember that came out a little while ago and they were in the news because it was like, okay, clearly nobody black was in that room. Right. Um, I remember like the Pepsi commercial. H&M. Yeah, H&M. The <laughs> Pepsi commercial with Kylie Jenner. Um, you know, things like that where it's like, okay, like if a black person that, um, you know, has a voice and people mm-hmm. listen to them, they will tell you this is bad and this is why. So you don't run into issues like that. Right. Hopefully. I mean... <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully they'll do that. Hopefully, <laughs> you would think, you right? Would think. But it's like we keep yeah. running into these yeah. issues over and over from different brands and different companies. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's just yeah. You would think. You would think, right? Yeah. On to a more like you know a lighter topic. Uh, <laughs> what, what's what's in, what's your future looking like? You know, are you going to be a back end software engineer forever, or are there other plans for you? Do you what like what, where do you see yourself going? You know, the next five, ten, fifteen years. That's a good question. Um, you know, in the next five years, I want to get enough experience to where I could be a manager to um, young engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would like to have a team, uh, like I said, preferably with young engineers, where I can bring them in. And just kind of show them, just show them the ropes to the industry. Like, hey, here are some like the new languages that are coming out. Here are some like the new, you know, uh, excuse me, like the technologies that are out there that you should, you know, keep, you know, um, be aware of. 
Here are some of like the different ways that you can code out features, um, you know, things like that to where like I can just be like a resource and a mentor to them. Um, that's where I see myself in the next like five years. The next 10, um, hopefully a technical director of like some sort of maybe like startup um, to, uh, you know, startups like mid-level type of company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, got a, I got a long way to go. Um, one of the things that I think um, is very eye-opening for me just from working at Hearsay for the past, uh, I want to say like six, seven, eight months, um, is that there's so much information out there. Um, and it's kind of impossible for you to, for you to know it all, but it's always good to just keep learning. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I said that you were a member of, of Dev Color. Uh, I've seen other kind of groups like that, like people of color in tech, you know, there's a lot of groups out there that are uh, supporting, you know, black engineers. And I think that just kind of ties into your story of, you know, where you see yourself in the next five years, as far as like bringing in a group of young engineers and mentoring them and giving them those resources. I definitely think it's good that those groups are out there and that you also want to kind of give back in that way. Um, How would people go about, you know, finding these different organizations to be a part of so that way they kind of have like a a community, right? Uh, Because there's not so many, um, you know, how do people find those those resources so that way maybe they find a mentor through that or, um, you know, just constant learning? Yeah, that's a good question. So I know DevColor does a lot of uh, work with uh, different companies to throw out, to throw, you know, these different events. Um, they did one, in, uh, I want to say, towards the beginning of this year with the uh, Airbnb, um, okay. where they brought all of like the members from the SF chapter, um, like like over, and it was a way to have you know, air, you know, Airbnb hiring managers and you know other you know black. Uh, employees from Airbnb said like, Hey, you know, like here's Dev Color. Here's a group that, you know, helps out black engineers. So we do a lot of work with different um, companies inside the Bay area Mm -hmm. just to get our name out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of word of mouth. We, I mean, we do have a website and stuff, uh, but I, I learned about it through just word of mouth through um, a a coworker of mine uh, that worked at Surrey Monkey at a time. Mm, Okay. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I definitely think those are are, are, are useful. We need yeah. all of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 been it's been very helpful just for for me in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say like I'm probably one of the younger ones in the group, um, and just hearing all, all like these different experiences from folks who've been in the industry 10, 15, 20 years, like it's it's really eye opening. Um, to some of, you know, just the experiences that they've been through, uh, both good and bad right. to just to know like, okay, mm-hmm. like that situation, don't want to deal with that. But that one, that other one was a good one. You know, I, I could, you know, I would like to learn more about that and things like that. How valuable is that for you? Like to have, to be, to be in a network and then be able to learn from folks from all different stages of, you know, the career that you're currently on. Oh, it's invaluable. Um, like I've learned so much just from how to navigate in the, the corporate space. Mm-hmm. Um, me only being like an engineer or really working in the corporate world for like four years. Um, like I'm still very new at this, you know, um, there's a lot of passive aggressiveness going on, like when way in, you know, like how managers and other folks talk to you that, um, you know, you might not really understand 
if you you know you don't really know like the lingo or the terminology and things like that so um just from that alone like it's been great um another way is just like how to deal with certain situations you know how to deal with um you know you or me as a person wanting a promotion and my manager telling me well you're not ready yet because of some arbitrary reason and you know how how do you navigate through things like that mm-hmm. how do i you know how do you navigate through a manager who is constantly yeah. micromanaging you and is threatening to put you on a pip which is um right basically uh for those out there who don't know a pip is um i forget the exact word or like official terminology but basically it's like performance performance improvement plan yeah yeah but it (laughs) but in layman's terms it's really hey you got a month and never gonna fire you that's really how it is right (laughs) at least that's how the hr me is like i would just yeah Zakia, we got to get rid of those pips. You need to talk to your yeah. HR so, folks. So, so, yeah, so, so it's things like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never, I've never been put on anything like that. But I've heard horror stories about yeah. it, and I, like, I, like I'm somebody that, um, you know, gets really anxious in like high pressure situations. So, you know, if a manager was over here saying like, hey, you know you don't get this feature through, you know, this pip, this pip might be coming in the mail. Like I would, I I wouldn't be able to function, you know? So just, so yeah. So you hear a lot of stories like that and just, you know, you take that experience in mind and that helps you to grow just as not only just as a, you know, engineer, but you know, just as a human being in total. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been a a great, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I just I just want to say, you know, thank thank y'all for just having me on. Um, you, you know, I, I was really nervous because I've never really been on the podcast before. So, you know, I just hope that um, for both for, for you all and for listeners out there that, um, you know, I gave some great information um, that, you know, I was coherent <laughs> at least and that folks understood me, um, you know, and, you know, feel free to, you know, give my information out there. Um, you know, I'm on I'm obviously I'm on LinkedIn. Um you know, I'm down to be a resource to anybody that, you know, needs or wants it. Yeah. Until next time. And thank you again for joining the show. 